For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. A two-time All-American at UCLA. A participant in nearly 700 PGA Tour events. Seven professional wins to his credit. Over 30 years of professional golf experience. A member of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. A Sunday morning on 101 ESPN. That means it's time for Golf with Jay Delsing. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. We're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. A very busy show coming up. Kurt Byram, who had 19 top 10 PGA Tour finishes, 18 nationwide top 10s. And since 2001, an analyst on the Golf Channel will be our guest. Also, we'll take you inside a fireside chat that we conducted about 10 days ago at Norwood Hills Country Club. But, man, there is big news to get into. And, Jay, let's jump right into it. Good morning to you. Hey, Danny. Great to be with you. Yeah, wow. Wow. Obviously, the news is number three player in the world, John Rahm. Long been rumored, Danny. We've been texting and talking about this for a couple weeks now. John Rahm jumps to live for $560 million. Your initial impression of that? I can tell you, you weren't happy. I was not happy. You haven't been happy about any of this. No, I'm not. And I mean, Danny, so we got a lot to unpack here. But I mean, initially, you know, here's what, and and we knew what was going on, right? John Rahm has repeatedly said he's not interested. He doesn't like the format. He doesn't like the shotgun, yada, yada, yada. But we also knew that Yasser and Team Live was just they kept throwing $50 million more onto the offer. And so, I mean, seriously, what the hell? Eventually, human nature is going to go, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, you're going to give me half a billion dollars, a little more than half a billion dollars? I'll take it. It's hard for a player, anybody, to pass that up. Now, when you start looking at some of the names in golf that have jumped to live, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Bubba Watson, list goes on and on. These are newsmakers, these are top players, and now Liv certainly is a presence in the game of golf. There's no other way to look at it. No, you're absolutely right, Danny. And this is now we're at the point where that this is this this is this just took this thing and tipped it over. Because now we've got to get a deal done. And we've got to get a deal done with the Saudis. And we need, otherwise, there's going to be this continual fight of a poach of a player here and this. And to me, 
This is Yasser being pissed off and trying to get across to Jay Monahan and our side, hey, I know that there was this gentleman's agreement that there were going to be no more players taken and no more activity until this frame, <clears throat> excuse me, this framework agreement got done, and it, the deadline for that is the 31st of December. Well, Jay Monahan had taken this roadshow to all these other private equity firms and all of this other investment money pissed him off. And, he, and, and so this is a reminder like, hey, I'm still here. Then any of those guys, but most importantly, I don't care. I'm not going away. I don't care what it takes. I want a seat at this table. John Rahm's career earnings on the PGA Tour, $51 million. Pretty good. John Rahm's career earnings now with Liv, it's, as you said, in excess of $500 million, close to 600 And for some that are out there, they're saying, how can you possibly pass up that money on principle? And you just can't. I mean, it's almost $600 million, and it's a three- to four-year deal. And it looks like with a merger coming up, he's going to get back in the PGA Tour. And by winning the Masters, he has exemptions already to the majors coming up next summer. That's a great point, Danny, and that's a crucial point to understand. There's two things. Let's say nothing gets done, and we're going to just keep living through this crap and turmoil. Rom's going to miss out on the Players' Championship. That's a big deal, but the Players' Championship. Probably Jack's tournament, Arnold's tournament, some of his more favorite events, Torrey Pines, where he won the U.S. Open, and he loves playing at Torrey, and then the Ryder Cup. But the, he, he does have exemptions for the next five years into the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, the PGA Championship, and the Masters. So, this is a guy, here's what really stings me on this, Danny. This is a well-spoken, this is a, this guy cares about golf. He cares about everything he should care about. He cares about the amateur's experience. I've got a young man here in town. His name is Jimmy Williams, who was at 12 years of age, had a heart transplant. John and wrote a book. John, he was in the media center down, I think, in Charlotte, I think. And John Rahm walked in there, and Jimmy walked up and handed him a book, and his dad took a video of this. John Rahm couldn't have been more gracious. Well, I, I told you the story that even with my family. Right. So we had friends yeah, over in Europe story. In, in this past summer, and they ran into John Rahm. And as you well know, my kids love golf. One of their favorite players, John Rahm. Those friends go up to John Rahm and said, hey, will you send a personalized message to this young golfer? He did it without any hesitation, and was happy to do it on his own time. So this is a pretty good guy in in most turns when you look at it, and we don't know him personally, but from the outside looking in, seems to be a good guy and seems to be somebody that cares about others and cares about the game of golf. No question. And, and I mean, he's a conscientious guy, D. He, he takes care of his uh, sponsors. I mean, I heard him talk about how he got with Callaway Golf and some of his other sponsors. And John said, I carefully pick who I do business with. I carefully pick who I represent so I know that I can represent them in a way that they want to be represented and that their values and the, the, that we're in alignment. Not, not many guys do that, Danny. If someone has $20 bill, you know, off goes the player. John Rahm was asked, why did he decide to make this move, historic move, jumping from the PGA Tour to Live? I think the innovation and, and the vision of Live Golf is what pushed me over to at least give it a chance and, and hear the pitch out and uh, ultimately ended up being what uh, I guess I wanted to hear, right? Uh, 
I believe in the growth of the game of golf. Uh, I've largely spoken about how Sevi improved the game of golf in Spain, yeah. and I've always said how I would like to do the same thing over there. And if I can reach a bigger audience, it would be amazing. And uh, I do believe this process will help me do that. Even though it's not part of this sport, um, it is now, though it was the team aspect of things, yeah. right? Some of the biggest sporting events, for the most part, people are following their teams. And I myself, growing up being a, a massive athletic Bilbao fan, uh, I realized that, you know, that has a bit of an appeal, right? Much more than, than I gave it credit to even in golf. From John Rahm to Rory McIlroy, his thoughts on one of the biggest jumps in golf. It's hard to sit here and, and criticize John because of what a great player he is and, and the experiences I've had with him. Um, but all I would say is that I'll be disappointed not to, to play against him more regularly um, in the future. John is going to be in Bathpage in 2025. So, you know, because of this decision, you know, we're going to, or the, the European Tour are going to have to rewrite the rules uh, for Ryder Cup eligibility. Like, absolutely. Like, there's no question about that. I certainly want John Ram on the next Ryder Cup team. I'm, I'm going to miss competing against him week in and week out. You know, he's a, he's, he's such a good player. Um, he's, he's got so much talent. He's so tenacious. He's a great teammate in the Ryder Cup. Um, like, I have nothing but good things to say about John. I, um, I respect the hell out of him as a, as a golfer. And, um, and he seems like he wants to live his life the right way. He wants to be a good dad. He wants to be a good husband. Um, and look, you can't judge someone for, I guess, you know, the thing that I realized is you can't judge someone for making a decision that they feel is the best thing for them. Uh, is it disappointing to me? Yes. But, um, you know, the, the landscape of golf changed on, on June 6th, whenever the, the framework agreement was announced. And I think because of that, it, it made the jump from PGA Tour to live a little bit easier for guys. You know, they let the, they let the first guys really take the heat. Uh, this framework agreement legitimized basically what Liv was trying to do. Uh, and then I think it's made it easier. And, uh, you know, now if, if that's really what you want to do, because, you know, We've talked about this a lot, product to product. I don't think the two compare at all. Um, you know, the PJ Tour and the DP World, they're certainly superior products, I feel. Um, but the landscape of sport is changing. And, and if there, you know, if there is a place for this sort of team golf and these franchises and all the things that they, that they talk about, you know, if team golf works, then maybe it works. But, you know, my opinion now is, um, there's only one great team event in golf, and it's the Ryder Cup, and, and that's never going to change. McElroy, in that soundbite, brings up a really interesting point. Yep. That's the Ryder Cup and eligibility looking ahead for a couple of years. Right, and and he said that John Rahm will be playing in Bethpage in 2025, meaning that's a shot from Rory's boat across the bow to, the, to um, Ryder Cup Europe to say, hey, boys, all these old rules? Redo them. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Think about that. Well, you, you get the Americans involved, which they could have been involved, and one was in Brooks Kepka. The Euros said, nope, we're not going to accept the Lib players. That changes. And think about where Rory has come with this. Five months ago, was a staunch defender of the PGA Tour, did not want to be a part of Liv, and was the face of it, and now this has come full circle. Right, and now, but think about that. Does that mean Garcia gets back in? Does that mean Poulter? Does that mean Westwood? Does that mean Paul Casey? You know, those guys have renounced their DP World uh, uh, membership, 
And I know John Rahm has not done that. So it'll be interesting. But I, Danny, if this thing goes the way I want it to go now, it's going to look something like this. Everybody, every, everything's going to be forgiven. Somehow or another, from all the reading that I've done, there's this thing called an equalization fund that the Saudis themselves are going to fund. And they are going to make right, whatever the hell that means, the guys that didn't jump. Okay? But, but how do you figure out how to make them, them full in this situation? It, What's, what would be the equation to do that? Probably what sort of, what sort of monies they were offered from live and then there's an evaluation process and this is this is a better question they need to evaluate the pga tours assets so what does that mean danny we've got almost 50 tournament players courses across the country we've got all these assets there i mean they're holding my retirement i mean it's not much in terms of what the dollars that were thrown around but, but it, it's your it means a lot to me yeah it's your dollars <laughs> yeah so i mean how in the hell do you evaluate something so vast with so many different components? Well, one of those components would be the fact that sponsors may jump or say, I'm good. The PGA Tour is not what I signed up for, meaning I signed up to have John Rahm playing every weekend. I signed up to have Bryson DeChambeau. I want to see Brooks Kepka uh, as a part of this every weekend. And some of those sponsors that are part of these tournaments are saying, this is not what I signed up for. No. And I mean, can you blame them? No, not at all. I mean, Danny, this goes back to Phil's, the craziness of Phil Mickelson when he was like, we need to own our own rights. This is what happens if you let the players own their own rights. Everything gets fragmented. Everything gets fragmented. Because if you don't bring me in the table, well, John Rahm's going to say, well, you cannot say you're going to sell me. I, I, You didn't pay me enough. Phil Mickelson, okay, I'm in. Tiger Woods, well, I, you can't do that. One of the guys that has come... We talk about coming full circle. This is amazing. Brandel Chambly. I hope the lived deal goes through now. Uh, it, it's, it's obvious the best thing for the PGA Tour. And if it goes through, it remains to be seen whether live lives or not. Uh, if it doesn't, it, it looks like ROM was the strategic play that Liv needed to make to bring this merger together because each side has something the other side wants. Uh, obviously, the PGA Tour would like an infusion of money, but <clears throat> Liv looks at the PGA Tour and that what they see is a seat at the table, legitimacy, uh, legacy. Uh, every every one of the 50 million golfers in the world uh, knows about the history of the PGA Tour. Uh, they have the respect and recognition of commercial entities, broad commercial entities, whereas there's a lot of pushback for Saudi Arabia involvement in some of those avenues. So Saudi Arabia gets an immediate seat at the table and the respect and recognition of partnering with uh, uh, the single best golf entity in the world. So they both have something that they want. So if it, if it comes together, I think golf is better off. If it doesn't, then you're going to have this never ending competition between live and the PGA tour, which, you know, sadly, it's hard to imagine how Liv loses here. The governor of Liv is Yasser Aramayan, who is well-educated, very clever, uh, very charming, and can be quite intimidating. And he loves golf. So he's talking about there has to be a coming together and a combination of these tours moving forward. Period. End of story. I agree. I agree. Otherwise, it's going to be constant turmoil. And 
Seriously, let's just play devil's advocate. Let's say it doesn't get done, Danny. Then what does Live look like in three years? They're going to own every significant player. I don't know if Tiger would ever go. Yeah, okay? I'm with you. And I don't know if Rory would ever go. But everybody, everything else is on the table. Everything else is on the table. It's all possible, Danny. Now, one of the big stories, too, in the last couple of weeks has been the rollback of the golf ball. And we're going to get into that coming up. It is huge news for you that's out there listening. And you're saying, now, what does that mean to me? Well, it's going to have an impact on you. It's going to have an impact on the PGA Tour. So, again, we've got Kurt Byram coming up. We've got a fireside chat, a portion of that from Norwood Hills. And we'll talk about the rollback of the golf ball coming up. And this is Golf with Jay Delsing. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. This is Peter Jacobson, and you're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. Call CarShield today at 800 465 6550 or visit carshield.com. It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. Get ready to watch the legends of golf up close when they compete at historic Norwood Hills Country Club right here in St. Louis. The Ascension Charity Classic will be back again with some of golf's greatest names Steve Stricker, Padraig Harrington, John Daly, David Duvall, Bernard Longer. Justin Leonard, David Toms, and more will compete returning September 3rd through the 8th. Visit ascensioncharityclassic.com for information. Darty Business Solutions has been enhancing the business of our customers for the last 37 years. How do we do it? Through our expertise in technology, better use of data and analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. We roll up our sleeves and collaborate. We build applications and effectively communicate with our partner clients to bring their goals and objectives to the finish line. Our award-winning Access Point program is a community game changer. With nearly 100 students in the program, mostly young African-American females are making between $55,000 and $60,000 per year right out of high school. That's right, fifty-five dollars to $60,000 a year right after high school graduation. That's when they begin their training. CEO Ron Darty believes 
The talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. So here's Access Point, providing more and more opportunity for those in and around our community. It's Dirty Business Solutions. Christmas is a time to make memories with the ones we love. Memories of sharing our favorite holiday traditions. Memories of spending time with family. But some kids won't have the memories of opening gifts around the tree. This Christmas, you can make a difference in the lives of Cardinal Glennon kids who won't be home for the holidays. Give your gift today at treeofhope.org and give hope to a child this Christmas. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, any maker model, then you need to visit the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. They are the official vehicle provider of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. My daughter and I both drive vehicles supplied by Colin and the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. And the reason we have them is because we know we can trust them. They made the car buying experience painless and very easy. Their customer service is second to none. They provided my daughter with a loaner car when her Passat needed repairs. Every single step of the car buying experience was taken care of for us. You can reach Colin at 314-966-0303 and he will answer all of your questions and put your mind at ease. The Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood has new or pre-owned vehicles to be purchased or leased, whichever you prefer. Once you visit the Dean Team Volkswagen on Manchester and Kirkwood, you'll become a customer for life because they'll treat you like family. The Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood, the official vehicle provider of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. Golf with Jay Delsing on a Sunday morning rolls on from the Car Shield Studios. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Along with Jay Delsing, I'm Dan McLaughlin. We jumped into the live situation in segment one. Another huge part of news around the world of golf has been the rollback of the golf ball itself. Jay, this is huge news. It's been talked about a lot. We're going to talk about that with Kurt Byram. We talked a lot with Seth Wall last week about that, the CEO of the PGA of America. But this is huge news in the game of golf. Oh, it absolutely is, Danny. And this thing has far-reaching components. It's going to affect me, who's kind of a retired-ish old guy, still plays an event. You still play all the time. But I, I compete just a little bit, but it'll affect the tour player the most. It's going to affect... John Q, everybody that plays the game, it's going to have some small effect on them, Danny. It sure is. So it's not going to roll out until 2028. Right. And so let's talk about the professionals, the PGA Tour. How much distance is going to be taken away and how does it affect what they do? It's going to probably affect the current PGA. That's, it's interesting, isn't it, D? We're, we're wrapping up 2023. So we've got 24, 25, 26, and 27. We have four more years. So think about it this way. There's a freshman in college right now, or maybe a senior in high school that has to understand, I'm going to be able to play however I'd like to play for the next four plus years, and then I've got to get a new ball in there. It's hard, but I I guess you implement it slowly. And when will they implement the ball for people to practice to understand when competition is real? Okay, I'm hitting this shot. That means the distance is going to be X as opposed to what I'm playing right now. The tour player is going to get it probably a year ahead of time, D. 
they'll start sending them to us, and the, the tour player will get those about a year ahead of time. So I would guess the college players will probably get in the top amateurs, and the and the other top pros will probably get it six months, three to six months ahead of time. It, it's it's going to be interesting because do they stop making this ball? That's what I want to know. I mean, they're obviously building in all this time, Danny. For well, the manufacturers, for the this could ma- be a nightmare. Oh, forget absolutely. That's why they're building in so much time for the manufacturers to completely deplete their inventory. The manufacturers, they're trying to do this and comply with these guys, Steve, because they don't want litigation. Because if they would have said, we're doing it in next year, these guys are going to be, we have thousands and thousands of dozens of, laying around exactly oh man they would have been pissed so the the fact that they did that they're trying to appease the manufacturers they're trying to give them time danny think about all the cast and the dyes and all of this stuff when it comes to the manufacturing process and then it's going to take tweaking to get this thing right so the manufacturer the process is going to look like this they're already at the drawing board Okay, they're going to make these balls, then they're going to send them to the RNA and the USGA, and they're going to get tested and tested and tested until they find until they finally are able to sign off on yes, this design is correct. And then you got to remember, we got Titleist, we've got uh, Callaway, we've got TaylorMade, we've got Shrixon, we've got uh, Mizuno, we've got Bridgestone. I mean, do we keep going? I, I, every single one of these manufacturers is at the drawing board right now trying to find their prototype to send to the, to the governing bodies. Gee, this thing is a, it's, this is a big, huge ball to unwind. Well, no pun intended, but looking at it, it was something that needed to be done. I mean, you can't add land to a lot of these courses, so you got to figure out another way to make this a little bit more competitive for these golfers. Like, I, I go back to the Ascension Charity Classic, and you mentioned – Hey, when I'm playing with these guys in the first hole, and you were a bomber when you played, these guys are hitting it 50, 60 yards past you. Stop and saying that. I'm sorry, but it was true. <laughs> like, I go to you know, number one, and they, these about, guys are bombing it and then hitting a little sandwich in. Do you see the look on my face? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. This is on hole one? I know. What am I going to do? Oh, I, oh my gosh. It, it, but you're right. I mean, I can get up to number one and hit a really good drive and hit a nice little really comfortable 58 degree in there. So I get a 80 yard, 90 yard shot, just flipping it down the hill. The first tee at the Ascension Charity Classic in 2023, Rob LeBritz took his driver and hitting that yellow Pro V1 and smashed it 40 or 50 yards from the green. It's crazy. Oh, by the way, dead straight. Yeah, that's right. That's that's part of it. That's not going to the new ball is not going to help you hit it straight. No. The new ball is going to deaden it, it a little bit. Yeah. How, how do you deaden a golf ball? What do you do with it, the core? It's the core. So so the I don't know the the actual nuts and bolts of the component, but it has to do with the size of the core. It also has to do with the components that make up the core and the cover. So there's there's all of these different um, pieces that go to to this golf ball. I, I'm sure, Danny. If the guys that are in that do this all the time, that cushion it and tailor made and all that, if they said, "Okay, so we've got this ball, and at this speed, at the 125 mile per hour speed, we've got to take, we've got to deduct five percent or whatever it is," and so 
it, it may not be overly difficult for them, but there's a go to, going to be a massive cost in, incurred because they're going to have to retool everything. All right, let's talk about what it means on the course. We'll yeah. start with the PGA Tour players. How much distance do you think they're going to lose? Probably 15 yards with the driver, and I have a feeling it's going to be more. I honestly, I do. I think, especially because the we, like I just said, we've got another four years. And another wave of young bombers coming. And, it, and, and these guys are killing the ball. D, think, and, and you know this. We talk about it all the time. Look at your son, Luke. We went out and played the other day, and I'm, I think he's been hitting the gym, and I'm like, he's going to snap the club in half. <laughs> it's going so fast. But anyway, what happens is these kids have another four years of hitting in the gym, working on their technique, getting bigger, getting stronger, nutrition, the whole thing. They're going to come out, and there's and and then Danny. Someone's going to be my height, six five. I weigh two oh five. Someone's going to be six five, weigh two thirty, be flexible as all hell, built like a middle linebacker, and hit at four hundred yards. That that is what they're fighting against. However, if this kid comes out and he does that, and something like that is coming, imagine DJ, except DJ version two or maybe DJ version three, six four, great athlete smashes it, and DJ hits it, you know, 330, 340. Mm-hmm. The next guy's going to hit it 400D. And so what happens is they're going to take this rollback from from a percentage back, and I don't know if you how much uh, – so if you, if, if you are going to average 360 yards one day, then, you know, with this ball, you're probably going to average 340, three, what, 345. What's it do off the tee? I mean, will it change trajectory? Will it, it what doesn't get in the air as long? I mean, how, how does it work, you I think? know. I'm curious. I'm curious. Ideally, Danny, ideally, none of that changes. But in my mind as a player, that trajectory is everything. We've talked about this 100 times. How many times have you asked me, man, you hit that wedge in there low, and you know how much spin that has on it. Well, if this ball has different components – Will it still perform like that? So spin, things of that nature. Yeah, and how much it climbs. Right. You know, and, how, and and I know how to do. I know how to control that up and the down. I know how to turn it to the left and turn it to the right. I am not one of those guys. And you know, I'm pretty much Rebecca Sunnybrook Farm. I'm over there with unicorns and butterflies. But on something like this. I need to hit it. Yeah. I don't give a damn what you tell me. I need to hit it. I need to see for myself. I need to feel it coming off the, my my irons and my driver and then watch it. And then and then I'll have a pretty good idea. The neat thing is, Danny, most tour players will be able to make this transition well and pretty seamlessly. There will be, in my estimation, somebody that falls on their sword on this. Because it just gets in your head, and it's another mental thing, and it's like all of a sudden my game doesn't feel the same, and they lose some confidence. That's what I think. It's not only tour players. This is universal, too. So I know. someone's driving around right now listening to this show. They're thinking, how does it affect me? It will affect you, uh, not as much as the 15, 20 yards, or whatever the case may be, but there will be a rollback somewhat for the amateur as well. Can I just tell you that I hate this part? I absolutely hate this part, and here's why. We have never been in a better position golf-wise. Everywhere we go, people talk about this show. We, we're, we're doing fireside chats. We're do, the, the clubs are healthy. People are playing and practicing. And that we've never had more people involved in the game, enjoying the game. You know, there's top golfs going up everywhere, and the National Golf Foundation has already told us that these entities are bringing people into the game, and now we're doing this. And to me, Seth Waugh said something so amazing last week when we had him on the show. He said, we don't support anything 
that will potentially detract from our customers enjoying a game less. Enjoying the game, that's right. He said that a bunch. He said that a bunch, Danny. And, you know, we listened to him on, we were having lunch the other day, and he popped up, it was either on Golf Channel or on ESPN, and he said the same thing. I just want to categorically say this. We do not support anything that takes away from the fun of our customers and our players enjoying a game of golf. It's it's going to make you hit it shorter. That's all there is to it. How much? It's going to be dependent on what sort of speed you have. with. And, and we're basically talking drivers right now, but there'll be a trickle-down effect. Your wedge game may not change at all. I don't know because I've read this thing and read it and read it, but like it, like I said... I, and, and it's going to be trial and error with all of this. Here's the other thing. I know your game well enough. When we get these things and we go out there, I'll be able to, you know, to know what it, what it means to you as well. Off the driver, off your wedges, the flight, the trajectory, all that stuff. So I don't know. I don't like it, but it's coming, and so we're going to have to get over it. RL, I get, maybe you're over it already. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm certainly not. I'm more just curious about what it means on the pro game. I think that amateurs, look, we're all hacks. Is it really going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. I mean, the, the the local pros, yeah, it's going to make a difference for them. Anybody of a professional rank, that's where I'm curious of how much this really affects what they do. Watching the PGA Tour, I, I love it when you bring up uh, what happened. Uh, was it's uh, 18 at the PGA Championship at Belle Reve? Yes. And if you're familiar with that that course, I mean, these guys are bombing it. It's a 480. 480- Four yard, 174 yard, something like that hole. And they're hitting driver wedge or sand wedge. Kepka and Tiger both had like 88 yards left. In. So will it really make that much of a difference, 15, 20 yards for a pro? I mean, honestly. No, I don't know, D. I mean, when you start talking, let's just talk that hole in particular. <laughs> that hole, first of all, folks, the 18th old Bell Reef, we're talking about the 2018 PGA Championship that was held in St. Louis, and it's the 100th anniversary of the PGA Championship. The last old Bell Reef is at least 470 yards long. It's got uh, bunkers, one, two, three, four bunkers on the left side of the fairway that you have to carry from the back tee that are probably 320 carry. Yep. Okay, 320, maybe 325 carry. Okay, these guys are taking that driver and just whipping. And, oh, by the way, there are oak trees that are anywhere between 25 feet tall and 75 feet tall off the left side of the tee, all the way down for the first 120 yards. And as the hole starts doglegging, the trees go over there with them. That's so right. it's not like this is just some field and we're just going to smash. It's like you got to hit this thing out of the chute. You got to get up in the air. You got to turn it over, sort of right in a golfer. You got to make it go right to left, whether you, whatever hand you play with. And you got to carry 325. And, the, and Tiger was hitting an 88-yard shot. It's incredible. I mean, it's so... Incredible. So, D, what, where it will matter is, let's just say Tiger, you know, after the hero, he finished, what, fifth in distance out of 20 guys. So we were concerned about his speed. Check no that problem box. at all. He's got lots of speed. But if he let's, he knows how what he what he can carry the driver. Let's say he can carry the driver 315. I don't know. I'm making that number yeah. up. Well, now all of a sudden, that ball's going to go 295. That's so it. it could make a big difference. Certain holes, yeah. certain situations, you're going to have to recalibrate. And that's where I want to see it. I Absolutely. And so so think about this, D. If there was a way on 18 at Bell Reef where this rollback made it so the, pl- the tour player couldn't carry those bunkers, well, that's not the case. But if they did, think about much, how much harder that hole would be. 
That means they're hitting the ball out into the neck. Now that brings the other one, two, three fairway bunkers on the right side of the fairway in, and all of a sudden you're flipping a little 80-yard, 85-yard wedge in compared to hitting a 160, 170-yard shot in to all these different hole locations. Massive difference. Who the hell knows? It turns that hole from a pitch and putt hole to a, a damn good finish is what it does. Kurt Byram is coming up. He'll be our guest. He's been with Golf Channel since the early 2000s. Lots of different subjects I want to get into with him. Uh, How the game has changed, clearly the rollback of the golf ball, which we were just talking about. But he played multiple sports. He's from South Dakota. So growing up in South Dakota, man, not warm weather. Be interesting to what he says, how how he got involved in the game of golf. And I wonder how long his golf window was in the springtime. I bet it was really short. Tiny. He and his brother Tom is one of my best friends that uh, played out on tour. Just an absolutely great guy and great family. Family. Uh, and Tom had a really nice career. So it's um, it, it's interesting because, you know, whatever those two did, they did it exactly together. You know, they're playing, what did he say, Oneida, South Dakota. So there, there's a, they, they, they think he's. He, well, he's, or, we're going to ask I him. I mean, I think, yeah, but I, I did some research. Sorry. And I think there's something about a sand that the, the local course they grew up in had only nine holes. And I think they were sand greens because they didn't. Couldn't grow the grass up there or something. Boy, how many guys have learned to play the game on a nine-hole course? I know. With all the guests that we've had for the last year or so, and that's how they learn how to play. And, Danny, I wonder, it's it's interesting. I don't know how long we're going to be able to do this show for, but if you you fast- A long time. But if you fast-forward 10 years or even 15 years and we get a- God willing, we're still alive and kicking and, and talk, being able to talk golf and have fun like we do together. You go out there and you talk to a kid that that- May not even be, you know, maybe he's a toddler right now. You know, does anybody make it on tour that grew up on a nine-hole course anymore? I, not that I know of. Doesn't seem not like many. It. Doesn't seem like it, does it? No. 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 So Kurt Byram is coming up. Let's tip our cap. And uh, let's tip our cap to last week with uh, our visit with the CEO of of the PGA of America, Seth Waugh. Yeah, absolutely. We are tipping our cap, and a tip of the cap is brought to you by the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood, 314-966-0303, and our buddy Colin Burnt. Guys, I know it says Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. Colin can get you any sort of vehicle. I'm driving a Denali. It's fantastic. My daughter's driving a Passat. Pearlie's got some Toyota truck that he absolutely loves. Colin can get you anything he wants. All right, so Seth Waugh, having Seth Waugh on the show is still, to me, just so so much fun. And first of all, we're almost at 30,000 PGA of America members throughout the country. These are the warriors. These are the boots on the ground, the soldiers that are doing the, the real growth of the game and, and doing things for us, Danny, that just make the game so great. And you had a chance to visit with some of those in the last, what, 10 days or so. Yeah. A lot of the guys and gals around the area that are trying to make the game better here for all of us in St. Louis. Our, our, absolutely. Our great buddy Adam Betts and his team absolutely whipped tail in, in the awards portion. Blake Sharmatera came away with three or four or five awards. Adam got Merchandiser of the Year award, and and uh, I saw Joe, our buddy Joe Schwent got elected into the Gateway Section Hall of Fame. Well, all well-deserved, but these guys, I did. I got to speak with those guys. I, you're right. I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten days ago, something like that. But these are the guys, the men and women. When I say guys, I mean men and women. They're, the, they're doing the work. They're up at the crack. They're staying till dark. They're running the tournaments. They're picking the range. They're organizing events. They are are the true heroes in terms of, of 
growing the game. And Danny, we heard from Seth talk about record number of PGA associates joining the organization. We also talked about the fabulous facility down in Frisco, Texas, that his that Seth has said has become a tourist attraction because it's it's been spoken in the same terms as, you know, the Apple cam- uh, campus out in, in California and things like that. So, yeah, that's who we're tipping our cap to. The PGA of America, the gateway section here, Allie Wells, her team, they're like our local commissioner. She keeps it all rolling, keeps everybody in line, and, and, and we appreciate it because we go out to Bell Reeve and Mike Tuck, you know, Tuck's out there with his staff, Carrie and – uh, JD and, and Jeffrey and Brian Fode and gosh, I know I'm forgetting people, but they're out there doing it. And then we go to Norwood and Smitty and Matt and Tyler and uh, Kyle. These guys show up, D, and they got a smile on their face. They're like, guys, have a great game. I hope you play well. And it, it, it doesn't seem to ever end. Long hours too, boy. A lot of hours. So that's the tip of the cap. That's the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood, 314-966-0303. Colin, we appreciate your support. Kurt Byram is coming up, longtime analyst on the Golf Channel, played on the PGA Tour. He'll be our guest. We also have some PGA Tour news and notes to get to, and a portion of our fireside chat from Norwood is coming up as well. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Do you remember the golden rule? I'm sure you do, but just in case it goes like this. Treat people the way that you'd like to be treated. At People's National Bank, that one statement is the cornerstone of what this bank is all about. Locally owned with 23 locations in Southern Illinois and the metropolitan St. Louis area, People's National Bank parlays a robust menu of commercial or personal banking services you could possibly need with a friendly yet hardworking Midwestern attitude. Maybe you just wanna do business with a bank whose entire team lives in the same neighborhoods as we do. If you're like me and doing business with someone you trust is important to you, then People's National Bank is the bank for you. Jason Rantham, local president, is here for you to call and he'll answer any questions you may have. His personal cell is 314-974-2243. You can also find us online at peoplesnationalbank.com. People's National Bank is here for all of your banking needs. Hey, St. Louis, Eddie McVeigh here from Maggie O'Brien's. When you head downtown for a concert or cards or blues game, and now for the St. Louis City soccer game, please come see us at Maggie O'Brien's before and after your event. Take our shuttle to and from or stay in-house and watch your favorite team on our multiple high-def TVs. We look forward to seeing you soon at one of our two locations in Sunset Hills on South Lindbergh or downtown at the corner of Market and 20th Street. Union Station is next to us. Okay, so you know Marcone is the largest distributor of GE parts in North America. Check. You know about their support for backstoppers, first responders, and our men and women in the military. Check that also. Well, here's their latest community venture. It's called Rees Across America. This year, Marcone will place 1,000 Christmas wreaths on the grave sites of our fallen military heroes in 10 different cemeteries around the country. From Dallas to Delaware, Western New York to Houston, New Jersey to right here at Jefferson Barracks. Each of these locations and more will have wreaths delivered and respectfully placed on a gravesite. Remember the fallen, honor those who serve, and teach the next generation the value of freedom. That's the mission of the Wreaths Across America program. So join the Golf with Jay Delsing show and Marcone and sponsor a wreath 
volunteer or partner with us to support our military. Saturday, December 16th is National Reese Across America Day. So get involved. That's Marcone and Reese Across America. Hi, this is Adam Best from Family Golf and Learning Center. At FGLC here in Kirkwood, we feature a double-decker driving range, two large grass tees with Tahoma Bermuda grass. You want to work on your short game? We have a short game area too, which features a 20,000 square foot green, three bunkers, and zoysia surrounds. Also at Family Golf and Learning Center, don't forget about our nine-hole par three course, the indoor trackman simulators, and our performance center. If you're looking for the best golf instruction, regardless of skill, we can help. Find out more at FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. We make St. Louis better at golf. Powers Insurance and Risk Management is a family-owned local business that's been helping our community for over 200 years. In the always confusing world of insurance, Powers Insurance provides clarity, exceptional service, and the latest in cutting-edge products to deliver the highest quality, and property and casualty coverage, as well as strategic planning consultation services. Powers Insurance and Risk Management will partner with you. That's right, partner with you to customize the right coverage for you and your family. Tim Davis, the Chief Operations Officer, will personally sit down and talk you through the ins and outs of your policies. They are experts at helping you control your workplace expenses and helping to guarantee the safety of you and your employees and their needs. You can visit them at powersinsurance.com. That's powersinsurance.com for all of your insurance needs. This is Chris Nagel. And you're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. Golf with Jay Delsing as we come to you from the Car Shield Studios. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Kurt Byram, 19 top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour, 18 top 10 finishes on the Nationwide. And since 2001, he's been an analyst with the Golf Channel. And I know, Jay, this is one of your good friends that you know quite well. Oh, yeah, gosh. It's well, as we get, as we age, Kurt, it's uh, it's great to have you on the show, man. We, we use the word old and, and long a lot when we have these conversations. <laughs> Well, I've known you for a long time, so you're uh, pretty accurate on that. But it's great to be with you guys today. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Kurt, I met you in the very first college tournament that I ever played in out at uh, New Mexico. But you and your brother Tom grew up in, in South Dakota. Take us through a little bit of what that was like growing up. Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, South Dakota doesn't have the best weather all year long. So, you know, it's probably a three- and four-month kind of thing when uh when i started and tom started a little bit after me um he's a couple years younger than i am but yeah we just started out my dad kind of got interested in it and we started going out to the little nine hole sand green golf course that was in oneida south dakota and you know just started playing a few rounds of golf around there then we started hitting balls and you know it was one of those things that it for some reason it was fairly natural and you know wasn't uh, you know, wasn't that hard to get started and play pretty good right out of the gate. So I took an interest in it and then Tom came a little while later, but then, uh, 
you know, then my dad had a, a small business down in Pierce, South Dakota, where they had a, you know, regulation 18 hole grass green golf course. And we started playing a lot more down there, but um, yeah, we grew up in a farming community. My dad was a farmer and both sides of my family were ranchers and farmers. And um, we still have the family farm up there in South Dakota. So it's fun. It does beg the question, a farming family, South Dakota, not golf weather. How the hell do you get involved in golf? Yeah, it was just that summertime thing. I mean, we just, uh, you know, loved playing the summer. And you know how it is when you're a kid. You know, you you win one little tournament when, you know, you're 10, 11 years old, and, and then you're hooked. And, you know, we played all the other sports throughout the year through high school. And then um, after that, we just, uh, you know, I decided to play in college and instead of maybe pursuing another sport. And, and that's kind of how it went. It was uh, just a summertime thing. And then uh, once we got a chance to, you know, I went down to New, the University of New Mexico. Then I had a chance to practice and play year round and things started coming together pretty well. Kurt, you know, it's interesting. We've had uh, Jack Nicholas on the show and he's talked about this. Curtis Strange, Tom Watson, Andy North. These guys all talked about growing up, I think, the same way that we did. And when the weather changed, we played every sport. It's so true. And, you know, I live down here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's amazing. You know, we have some of the best weather in the country year round. It gets hot in the summer, granted, but um, it's amazing how kids that are in junior high level and then into high school you know, they have coaches telling them they only want them playing one sport. And it just amazes me. I mean, I, I just don't get it. You know, the, uh, like you said, Jay, all of some of the best players that have ever played golf played at least another sport, if not two other sports growing up and through high school. And I, I think it's good for them. And I think it's important to play another sport, whether it's just to get stronger and to learn to be a teammate or whatever it is, you know, um, yeah, I hate to see it when uh, when uh, kids are, are just hooked on to their parents push them towards one sport, you know, whether it's golf or baseball. I see it down here a lot in baseball. It's a, as you can imagine, with spring training down here and with the Diamondbacks and everything, baseball is a huge deal down here, huge baseball culture in the town, you know, Phoenix metro area. And these kids, you know, when they start, they start in little league and then they, you know, all the way through into high school and they play all year and they play summer league and they travel teams. And, you know, sometimes he just, my son did it, you know, and I, he didn't even take up golf until he was almost 18 years old. And it was, uh, you know, he regrets it now, but, um, yeah, I'd love to see these kids play more than one sport. That's for sure. And what is the benefit as you did that? I mean, was it more physical or was it more mental in, in being able to, to play multiple sports? Yeah, I think a little bit of everything, you know, it was, um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, you gain confidence as an athlete playing other sports, you know, if you, if you get a chance to play, I mean, we had some good football and basketball teams at the high school with Sully Buttes that I grew up at. And, and so I think it, you can gain confidence as an athlete. And I think that carries over into golf. If you choose to go that way, um, there's, you know, you know, training year round basically for these other sports and golf, you know, back then lifting weights wasn't what it is now, but you know, you do a lot of running and, and, you know, I played basketball and football. You do some weight training even back then. And, um, it, it's all part of the development, I think, and, and important, but, um, now it's just so specialized, you know, it's just, uh, you don't see kids playing two or three sports anymore. No, you really don't, Kurt. Kurt, as you um, look back at 
the, the kind of the way <laughs> the way the game has evolved. So you got to play on the PGA Tour. We got to play a lot of rounds of golf together and played uh, college golf at an extremely high level. The way the game has changed, Kurt, it's almost mind-blowing. If you would have said to us very soon or, or 20 years from now, you're going to have a golf ball that's going to fly like a Molotar or a top flight, but spin like a Ballada Titleist, you'd be like, what planet are you coming in from? Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely a diff- it's a completely different game than, you know, when you and I started in the early and mid-80s, Jay. I mean, it, back then, you know, the best players in the game, you know, the Faldos and Greg Normans and Curtis Strange, you mentioned him, and um, these guys – they drove it straight, man. They, and they drove it, you know, in, in Norman's case, he was both long and straight. So he had a huge advantage, but it was more about accuracy and it was more about, uh, you know, I, a lot of it I feel like was, was course management, you know, because when I first got on tour, I, I think I finished second one year in driving distance and my first, it was either my first or second year on tour. It was just over 276 yards. The longest hitter on tour was 280 yards. I mean, it was, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. if you played a 7,000 yard golf course back then, I mean, you were wearing out your middle irons nowadays. That's nothing. They're just wedging it on the green. So it's obviously a different game. And if you're a PGA tour player, I think you have to pursue that at least some, you have to, you know, make your mind up. You're going to get in the gym. You're going to get stronger. You have to figure out a way to get faster and get longer without losing you know, your swing completely. I think you have to be cautious and there has to be a plan, but you know, I mean, you know, Jay, if you're, if you're averaging 285, 290 right now, and you're giving up 20, 30 yards to some of the best players in the world, you have zero chance of beating them over the course of a year. I mean, you're just, you're just not going to do it. I mean, it's just impossible when they, when you, when they have wedges and you're still back there hitting seven and eight irons, you're not going to win that battle. Oh, ever. Ever. And, you know, Kurt, it's interesting because then Scott Fawcett comes out with Decade Golf and you start looking at this thing with from a, I don't know if it's a better lens or not, but it certainly is a different lens. And, and you wonder if you and I, because I was, I may not have been as long as you, but I was one of the longer guys on tour when I first got out as well. And I wonder what would have been, it would have been like to play like that, where, where, I was so focused on trying to f- hit a one iron and try to keep it in the fairway. Yeah. There were rounds where I didn't even hit my driver because, you know, the way it was impressioned in my head was that fairway was everything. Yeah, it was. Well, if you tried to swing a, a wooden-headed, steel-shafted driver 120 miles an hour back then, you may have been okay for, I don't know, nine nine tee shots that day, but four of them you weren't going to be able to find. <laughs> they would be off the planet. Yeah, exactly. Kurt so, Byram. Yeah, it's, a, it's a total different game. Kurt Byram is our guest. And, and having said that, I'll follow up with this. Do you think that we need to change on the PGA Tour equipment to make sure that uh, the players aren't out driving what we have? I mean, you, you can't get more land. So is there something we can do to make this a little bit more uh, feasible for the game that you and Jay used to play. Wow, that's certainly the question of the day, isn't it? That's uh, the USGA and RNA have their hands full. I don't know. I uh, I just I feel like 
you know, where we're at right now, how do you put the cat back in the bag now? I mean, I just don't see how you can possibly do it. I mean, I guess they can, but now you're going to separate, you know, what the amateur world, how they play golf versus what the pros are doing and how they play golf. And I don't know. I really don't have a great answer for you on there. I'm not a huge fan of rolling it back. I still like that everybody can play the same equipment. I just, you know, a one ball that's rolled back for tournament golf. I just, I'm having a hard time seeing it. I don't know about you guys, but it's a, Jay, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is all there. If it was me and I was 23 years old, I'd I'd try to find a way to pick up 15 yards. I I agree, Kurt. With the litigious nature of everybody and the the ball manufacturers, you don't think they're going to sue? I mean, oh, we haven't been yeah. able to, Kurt, we, we've lost every single lawsuit that the PGA Tour's been involved in, man. We, 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 we can't, we've, it's already been proven in courts that we can't govern ourselves. We can't make, yeah. we couldn't outlaw square grooves. Remember that whole thing with, with Calc and Ken Green and Ping and we lost, I mean, we've lost every suit we've ever been in. If, if they go and pull the ball back, which is a natural, it's, it seems like a natural response to, you know, the course is being obsolete. But, man, I don't see I, – I mean, I think every ball manufacturer would, would line up and, and sue the hell out of us. I'm sure they would. I mean, that, what's a ball manufacturer going to do? They're going to try to sell like, – oh, yeah, hey, we just came out with a ball. They're going to play it on the PGA Tour. You can play it also, but it's going to cost you 10, 15, 20 yards off the tee. No <laughs> one's buying what that amateur thing. is going to go for that, yeah. right? Exactly. I play with a bunch of good players here down at Phoenix Country Club, and I'm old and scraping around a little bit, but I play with a bunch of good players. Not one of them wants to see the ball rolled back. Not one. I, I they, they, And not one of them comes in after a round, as, you know, even if they shoot three or four under, they don't come in and say, man, this game's getting too easy. I've never heard <laughs> Kurt Byram is our guest, and uh, I mentioned you've been an uh, analyst with the Golf Channel since 2001. How did TV come about for you, and, and you're one of the best in the sport, so, and, and I mean that sincerely. How did, how did the TV, though, come about for you? Well, I appreciate that, first of all, but it was, uh, it was just a, a, I don't know. I was playing. I, I had lost my PGA Tour card, so I was playing a, um, at the time, nationwide event or whatever it was back then, Corn Ferry Tour. And it was down in Florida, and the executive producer for Golf Channel was out cruising around the golf course. They had TV that week. And I was playing in the Pro-Am, and he just stopped by, introduced himself, said hello. And, and, um, and his name was Keith Hirschland. It is Keith Hirschland. And, um, you know, Keith just said, hey, uh, <laughs> in the nicest way possible without saying, hey, I know you suck now. And I know you don't have your PGA Tour card now. You know, without saying that, he was very nice about it. But he said, do you have any interest in TV? And that's kind of where it started. And um, I, I did a few. I did one event, the, you know, that year. I, If I had played well at all, I should have gotten my card that year. I had won a nationwide event that year, but I didn't. And so then the next year, they, they uh, we started you know, working on more of a schedule. And that was probably around 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. So that's where I got started. And then, um, you know, they just kept offering me a little bit more and a little bit more every year. And that was, you know, 22 plus years ago. Kurt, do you remember when we would go and, and we started not playing well and we'd have to go down to the the nationwide, the, the corn ferry 
and I'm sure Keith, you know, you were walking with your head down and you were not all the in such a great mood because I can just remember feeling like I just went from the show to the non-show and all these guys are sleeping in their car and they're starving to, to get out on tour. And all I could think about was, man, it, it wasn't that much fun to be there. It's, oh my gosh, you just nailed it. I mean, imagine going from the major leagues, you know, to double a triple a you know it felt like for us you know and it was it was a tough pill to swallow and i think that's why some guys that lose their card you know if they played five or six or ten years even on the pga tour and they lose their card and have to go play the corn Ferry tour for a year it's not always easy for them to get their mind right especially it's not that they're that far off skill wise maybe they had a you know a, they tweaked their back the year before or whatever you know whatever it is they're usually physically they're not that far off from getting back out there on the PGA tour, but the mental side of that and convincing yourself that, Hey man, this is where I'm at. I need to play well. Cause these guys go low every week on the corn Ferry tour. You know, it's, you gotta, that, it's a mental challenge for those guys and it's a hurdle that they have to get over. Otherwise they're going to get run over on the corn Ferry tour too. Kurt, as you know, being an analyst, you're not supposed to be biased, but it's human nature to to follow certain guys or to have a certain affinity, a positive affinity for them. Is there somebody that you love to watch right now that, you know, it maybe it's just a conversation you've had or you've built a friendship or you just love watching them play, whatever the case may be. But is there somebody out there that you just love to watch play the game of golf? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I try not to have any favorites as far as the players go, but I have to say this, this past year was an absolutely incredible year for ball striking out of Scotty Scheffler. And having done, you know, about 25 tournaments this year including the Ryder Cup and and whatnot I I had a lot of chances to be on the range and watch him hit balls and Randy Smith his his coach longtime coach from Dallas is a really good friend of mine I lived in Dallas for a while he took care of me there when I was there um, so I have a connection with Randy I know Scotty just watching him hit balls this year warming up for events or practicing or whatever was just amazing. And when you, it, it looks, you know how you guys watch them on TV and it doesn't always look pretty, right? There's the feet are flying all over the place. The backswing, you know, looks different than a lot of those guys out there. And, but I'm telling you, impact is just incredible. The sound and the flight of the ball is, it's so pure. It's incredible. And if you look, you know, I just saw some stats, uh, you know, for the year for Scotty Scheffler and, you know, Tiger of course has four or five of the greatest, strokes gained ball striking years ever on the PGA tour. But Scotty Scheffler is like the next guy. He, he, I think he had, I forget what it was. It's, it, he had one of the greatest ball striking years in the history of the PGA tour. And to be able to be out there and see it firsthand standing eight feet from him behind the bag and watching him hit balls was, was pretty incredible. And you know, the results are there too. And despite at that level, he putted poorly for the most part all year and he still won twice. So in the players championship. So, that's uh that's fun to do. I mean, I really appreciate great ball staking and and I I appreciate all facets of the game. But man, when you see a guy hitting like he is, you just you just stop and it's it's stunning at times how well he hits it. Kurt, the other thing that stands out to me about Scotty that I didn't know about his grit is that his compete level is off the rail. I mean, he this guy he's Tiger's the most competitive guy I've ever seen in my life. Never gives yeah. up on a shot. I don't care if it's a eighty footer for triple bogey. You know he's he's got he's able to pull it all together. But Scotty seems 
like that to me as well. I was just impressed with how poorly he putted compared to how well he hit the ball. Man, you gotta you gotta gut that stuff out, and he he did it week after week. He does. It just shows his mental toughness. I think Jay that he doesn't let the missed putts get him down. He keeps, you know, he he doesn't like it. No one likes missing eight footers for birdie or you know missing the five footer for par. And we saw him do that a lot this past year. But he has the mental toughness and the ability to come back, and the next tee shot that he has to hit. He's ready to go again. Like he's he's focused on that and only that tee shot. And it's an amazing thing because uh, you know I was a poor putter and I and honestly it would it it wore me down. You know I I'd have days where I would hit it great and walk off shooting seventy three and just be like what the hell you know. And I just I don't see him ever get down on himself. I mean he he especially he's he's gotten better and better every year at that. I mean now what going into his fifth or sixth year here in twenty twenty four I think he just He's as tough as they get mentally. Kurt Byram is our guest. Jay just mentioned the name of Tiger Woods. Looking forward, not the immediate, just in general. What what are your expectations in the future of Tiger Woods in terms of his playing career? Where, where do you stand with that? Man, it is so hard to tell, you know. And and you have to be right. You have to be. You have to be somewhat cautious with Tiger because somehow or another, he seems to prove us all wrong at some point or another, right? He just, he comes back and he does, you know, does the improbable. He wins again somewhere. He won the masters in 2019. It's like, how the heck did he do that? You know, after everything he's been through. So you, you're cautious, but there just hasn't been much. I think he's played five times now in two years. I was just watching the morning show golf today on the golf channel a little bit before I got on with you guys. And I think he's played five tournaments in two years and it just the body of work isn't there it's so hard and and it hasn't been good i think 37th was the best finish he had in there so and you know withdrew you know the masters remember he had planters fasciitis and had to withdraw i you know it's it's really hard my expectations that i can't wait to see him walk four days and get through that part of it while he's also hitting balls and and playing golf as well in a competitive situation so um, I think he's probably away, away from winning anything anytime soon, but hopefully he just stays healthy. I'd love to see him. And we all want to see him play, you know, I'd love to see him play eight or 10 times in 2024. It'd be awesome. Hey, Kurt, just this last year, you and facts were added to kind of the main, I, I don't exactly know how to describe it, but the main NBC golf team, what you've brought to the broadcast booth is this, um, man, it's hard for me to put it into words, but there's just this vibe that you have when you're calling the action that really lends a lot to that team. We talk about it all the time, Danny and I, and, and you, you know, John Perlis, Perley, our buddy, we talk about how, how neat it's been listening to you. What do you look at as your style or what, what, how do you, how do you go about, you know, doing what you do? Yeah, yeah, interesting. I appreciate your comments there, Jay. I, you know, I, <laughs> I try to keep it pretty simple from my my end of things. I, um, I do like to get to the range. I do like to talk to players if possible. I try not to intrude, though. I, you know, when guys are warming up, but talk to their caddies, talk to their instructors. I love to get those kind of uh, nuggets that you can bring out on the broadcast later because I think that's that's the really good stuff, you know, but you know, and you know how it is, you know, players, some players like to chat and most players don't, 
you know, within an hour of their tea time. So it, it's tough sometimes to get that kind of information, but um, I love to do that. Um, you know, I try to know the golf courses as, as well as I can. Um, I just try to, you know, one of the things that the guy told me a long time ago, you'll, Jay, you, Dan, you may remember him too, uh, Frank Turkinian, who is a legend oh, yeah. at CBS, right? So he was a good friend of mine, and this was as a player, you know, and I talked to him quite often. I saw him out, you know, at tournaments and stuff, and, and Frank was both the producer and director for CBS Golf. And the one thing he always told me, he said, you know, once I got going in TV a little bit, he said, try to tell the viewer something that they can't see on the screen already. Don't state the obvious. Don't say, oh, he missed to the right. You know, if, if you have a reason why he missed to the right or, you know, that's, uh, oh, he hit it in the right rough again off the tee. Well, if you have an explanation for why he's hitting it in the right rough, then say it on the air. But don't tell me he just hit it in the right rough off the tee. I can already see that on TV, right? So I thought that was some great advice. And the other advice that, that I, you know, try to live by is um, sometimes less is more. You know, sometimes just talking nonstop during a broadcast is not what I want to listen to. It's and uh, and a lot of people that you know that I hear from they they don't want to hear nonstop talk. They want a concise you know answer for why a player is doing something or whatever it happens to be. And so I try to do those two things as much as possible. Kurt, is there an innovation that you think? can bring the viewer more into the game. Now, we've seen guys mic'd up. We've seen the interviews. Uh, we see Tracker, I think, is awesome with the ball coming off the tee or wherever it may be. But are there some other innovations or are there innovations now that you like? Yeah, I like all of the above. Just everything you just mentioned there. I'm not sure uh, you know, if I'm smart enough to figure out what, what the next thing would be to draw the viewer in. Um, you know, I think everybody would love to have less commercials you know i i know you know uh, talking to an, an executive from nbc over at the Ryder cup you know it's like it's on their mind you know that the sales teams do a great job of selling those commercials and it's hard to turn down that money but i think they got to figure out a way probably at eventually how to have less commercials during a broadcast i think that would make it um, a lot more interesting for the fans obviously um, I think the on-course interviews are amazing. You know, when CBS did the one with, I think it was the first one that was on the West Coast in San Diego, and they did it with Max Homa on Saturday of San Diego, and he went on to win the event. It was just pretty amazing stuff, really. And so I think that's that's progress. I think the players are starting to warm up to it more and more. Not every player is going to ever, you know, do it, um, and we get it. So, um, but it's been good. Both NBC and CBS have been able to do that. Golf Channel's been able to do it. Um, it's nice to hear from a player while he's in the middle of a competitive situation. So I think that's been great. Kurt, you mentioned the Ryder Cup a couple of times, and I know this is like kicking the, the horse way past death, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I really, I, I, I really look at our team and I watch the play that they put out there and it's just head scratching you know how you can come out flat how can, but one of the things that we had julie inkster on the show not long ago and she was so adamant about how none of the guys on our team except for i think jt had played any sort of uh competitive golf in five weeks and then went over there what was your take on it because i know you had a front row seat 
I think she nailed it 100%. I said this before the Ryder Cup even got started, that the European team had played, most of those guys, 12 guys on the European team had played multiple events leading right up to the Ryder Cup. The, the BMW championship over at, uh, in, uh, in London was two weeks before. Their entire team played that event that week. I think, you know, nine or 10 of the guys on the U.S. team had not played an event since the tour championship. And I think that, what is that? That was about a month, I believe. Yeah. Um, to her point, and, and the way I felt about it was, if you took all 12 guys from the U.S. squad, and all of those guys are capable and in their mind think they could win a major championship, right? Because that's the level of player that they are to make the Ryder Cup team. And not one of those guys would take four or five weeks off before a major championship. Not one. They would play somewhere at least once, probably twice, to see where their game was and to try to prepare and get ready for a major championship. And I, and I think, you know, other than a couple guys on the team for the U.S., they, they played one event in Napa. And uh, that was about it. So I just think they came in not quite ready to play on Friday. And, and I think how Friday ended up, it was in the end, that was the point difference between the, the European team winning and us losing. So we just came in not ready to play, in my opinion. Kurt, I know you haven't talked about it. I know you've never been asked about Liv. So I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, just general sense. Where are you at with Liv and the PGA Tour and where things are going from here? Wow. I don't think anybody knows where things are going from here. I mean, I haven't heard a thing. I mean, I've, you know, I've, uh, living here in Scottsdale, I see, you know, players all the time out at TPC or I play with some of those guys once in a while, wherever. And no one that I know of knows where it's headed. I mean, it's, it's pretty closed lips down there right now and probably – rightfully so until they get things worked out. I have no idea where it's headed. I'm I, honestly, I have watched very little live golf and don't know, you know, what, what the plan is, where they're headed. I, I just, I don't have a lot of interest in it. I'm, you know, I pay attention to what I have to do with PGA tour and that's pretty much it. So I, I, I don't have a huge interest in the live golf. I mean, I, you know, I, I just don't know where they're headed and the world ranking and, you know, all of that stuff. I don't, I don't know how they're going to get all that worked out. Kurt, we're both life members of the tour. How, how would you feel if we were active now about Jay Monahan? I happen to, to, to know Jay a little bit and I, up until, I mean, I still like him as a human being, but as our commissioner, man, I don't know how he'd be, uh, he'd, he'd survive this. Yeah, he went through some really tough times there. You know, there were a, a good number of players that seemed like they were asking the same kind of questions you were. How is he going to survive this or should he survive this? And yeah, again, you know, I, it's so tough though, Jay. You know, we're not in those meetings and we're not on the inside, you know, hearing and seeing everything that they do or what their lawyers are telling them and what the board at the PGA tour thinks and how they're handling everything. It's really hard. I think to have an accurate take on Jay and, the, and a lot of stuff that's happened without really knowing the details of all that inside stuff. So I, I sort of stay away from it a little bit, to be honest with you. I, I just, you know, I'm not inside on those meetings. I'm out on the PGA tour a lot, but I still you know, I don't hear the details, you know, I don't hear those guys talking about the details from the meetings and where things are headed and how they're handling everything. So 
I've kind of stayed out of that stuff. And I don't blame you. It's a hot potato and it's loaded. But when I think back on public relations and I think back on advice and, and, and you've got to believe that there should have been someone telling Jay to not use words in terms like merger and things like that. And, and instead of, you know, saying perhaps we're reconsidering our position because when, if I'm Roy McElroy, my head just fell off, you know, when that happened and, and that sort of stuff, man, is hard to come back from relationally. Yeah. I think, I think maybe, you know, maybe my one take would be just realist all the way back to when Liv announced that they were going to do a tour and they were getting players. I think that maybe the one thing that they missed at the PGA tour is that maybe they should have sat down with Yasser and some of those guys from, from the PIF and Liv and said, look, what's the plan here? You know, where are you guys wanting to go with this? Is there some way, you know, that we can partnership with you guys? Is it, you know, what, just take a meeting. If they're going to be your rival and you had a chance to have a a few meetings with them right in the beginning before everything blew up. I mean, I think, wouldn't you do that? I, I, and I don't think they did. So I, I don't, you know, they, they just kind of, I would, I would have loved to have seen them have meetings with those guys. And then in the end, if they didn't like it, they could have said, Hey man, we don't like the plan. We don't like we're going with this. And then they're going to, you know, set their rules for, you know, guys that leave for live. But I would love to have seen them sit down and really discuss and have multiple meetings with, you know, those guys from live and, and figure out what, what their plan was and if there was any way that they could do a partnership together. Hey, Kurt, you've been incredible with your time. We so appreciate it. Great insight. Love your work on television. And uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us in Golf with Jay Delsing. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me on. Hey, this is Jay Delsing for SSM Health Physical Therapy. Our golf program has the same screening techniques and technology as the pros on the PGA Tour use. SSM Health Physical Therapy has the Titleist Performance Institute trained physical therapists that can perform the TPI screening on you as well as use the KVEST 3D motion capture system. Proper posture, alignment, etc. can help you keep your game right down the middle. We have 80 locations in the St. Louis area. Call 800-518-1626 or visit them on the web at SSMPhysicalTherapy.com. Your therapy, our passion. This is Adam Betts from Family Golf and Learning Center located in Kirkwood. Our motto is play your best golf. We have the best instruction for every skill level. Two female instructors along with our eight PGA instructors. We're there for the kids and the adults who are starting to play and trying to refine their game. Family Golf and Learning Center features a double-decker driving range, grass tees, and a short game area, along with indoor simulators and a performance center. That's not all. Don't forget about our back nine, bar and grill. Find out how we can help you and your family. Head to FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. It's Family Golf and Learning Center, where we make St. Louis better at golf. I want to welcome Redbird Heating and Cooling to the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. 
You can reach them at 314-320-9507 or on the website, redbirdhvac.com. CEOs Jed Dickinson and Jerry Pearson run the area's most responsive and dedicated heating and cooling company that's been conscientiously supporting the St. Louis area for the last decade. Just last month, when my air conditioner stopped working, Jed and his team were at my home at 7 a.m. to replace one unit and then repair the other. Your money, like it's our money, was Jed's statement to me, and the repairs for Unit 2 was less than $200. If you want to work with a family-owned business that you can trust, then call 314-320-9507 or visit them at redbirdhvac.com. That's redbirdhvac.com. For the best in Italian cuisine in St. Louis, look no further than Paul Mano's, located in Chesterfield. It's traditional Italian cooking, and their best ingredient, it's their tradition. It's cooking like Paul's grandmother used to make and like his mother still prepares today. There are no corners cut at Paul Mano's, from greeting you at the door to the pasta you'll share with your family. Paul Mano's is committed to bringing you their very best anytime you share a meal at their place. It's Paul Mano's located in Chesterfield. Hey, this is Jay Delsing, and we golfers are always looking for ways to improve our games. For me, that means I want the very best and the very latest in equipment and in technology. The place for me is Pro-Am Golf in Brentwood. Tom DeGrand opened Pro-Am Golf Center in 1975, and ever since then, he and his family have provided St. Louis with the finest in golf equipment, instruction, and the latest in the ever-changing world of golf technology. Whether you are a scratch golfer looking to find the latest in range finders, or a newcomer looking to find your first set of clubs, Pro-Am Golf has just what you're looking for. You say you're looking to get yourself custom fitted for a new set of clubs, you need to call TJ. He has fit me personally and he is the best in town. If you mention my name, CJ will take 50% off the already low fitting price. So if you need anything from golf balls to a new pair of shoes or a lesson from Tom, who by the way, has been helping St. Louisans play better golf for over 45 years, Pro-Am Golf in Brentwood is the place for you. You can also visit them at ProAmUSA.com. That's Pro-Am Golf. Golf with Jay Delsing on the heels of a great visit with Kurt Byram were presented by Darty Business Solutions, and we're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios with Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Coming up in a bit, some PGA news and notes, as well as our fireside chat from Norwood Hills. A few things stand out in the visit with Kurt, and that's number one, the ball striking is Scotty Scheffler. He said, man, I, I maybe have never seen anything like this guy in the way that he can hit the golf ball. And he said, I followed him all summer. He said, it's amazing to watch him ball strike. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, D. Tiger Woods has forever won uh, strokes gained from tee to green, forever. And this year, I guess Scotty Scheffler just put on a clinic, and that probably didn't quite get to the same level as Tiger, but it's really, really close. You wouldn't necessarily look at the lower half of Scotty Scheffler no. when he's swinging the golf club no. and saying, boy, let's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, let's do that. Nope. His feet are going all over the place. Yes, and it almost looks unstable. Yeah. But um, it does not translate that way into the iron shots. So what happens? What What is he doing so well that you see that allows him to hit the golf ball like he does? Somehow he's squaring it up at the bottom. 
Yeah. They, and you see that you you see he's a he takes some massive divots. He's using his hand-eye coordination and the ground to get that club back to square. It's a challenge because you know this club winds up somewhere above your head over for right-handed golfers over your right ear and then you got to get it down to the ground and get her square so that you can hit that thing the way you want to. And Danny, one of the things we got to talk about because that thing is really interesting and I know you'll concur. When we were kids and we watched golf, you had Chichi Rodriguez swinging this way, Lee Trevino very flat and around himself, Jack Nicklaus very upright and over here, Arnold Palmer kind of in between with the club twirling all over the place. But the moment of truth, D, and the most important part is right here, one foot before impact and one foot after impact. And we used to say, this is where it is, down here. You do all the other stuff you want to up there, these guys are square down here. Period. Period. That's a, And the ball, and see, Danny, here's what the way I was taught. Just watch the ball. It tells you what you did. It tells you what you did. You hit that big curve on you hit that, and, and the machines now, TrackMan, and all of our computers have helped just a great deal because we had a couple of flying components out there. We were a hundred percent wrong on a hundred percent wrong on. And these cameras have, have showed us like, uh, no dude, you're, 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 it's the club face. Your club face is too open or closed. That's why this ball's doing that. As a professional that played in over 700 PGA tour events and you coach and have helped countless people here in St. Louis, when you're playing with somebody, do you see the divot that they take? And does that yeah. tell you anything about the swing? Oh, everything. Everything about the swing. So so what you want to do, folks, is you want to have a divot. Obviously, all the divots, maybe not so obviously, the divot occurs in front of the ball. So the, the club strikes the ball first and then starts entering the ground. And what ideally what you want is a, the dollar bill analogy, Danny. So you want it about an inch and a half or two inches wide. You want it shallow, folks. You still want to be able to see a little bit of the roots from the grass that you just taken out. And then you want it a little shorter than the length of a dollar bill. And that's because, look, think about what that says, though. If it's that wide and the width is the key, Danny, if, that, if the width is matching the bottom of the sole of your iron, then you're coming down through that ball really, really uh, squarely. I've been working with Avery, your daughter, who is state, I think she's going to be state champion next year. Obviously, all state three of her first three years. So yep. She's three for three. And we get down to impact, and she said, and I'm like, look at that. Look at that. She's got an unbelievable ability to return the club to square. And that's that's a gift. You know? I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm like, just keep doing it because you know, you know what that feels like, so just keep doing it. One of the things I loved about Kurt Byram, too, is that he's open to innovations in how the game is presented on television. You know, me personally, I'm a big fan of the in-course, uh, on-course interviews during a round. I know some people don't like that from a player's perspective. I'm sure, Jay, maybe you are not for that. I get it. But from the viewing perspective, man, I love it. If I the, love it. I do, too. And if the player's uh, agreeable to it, amen. I mean, see, I would have done it. I, I know you would have because you're a talker. Been, I thought of the talker, exactly. <laughs> I used to drive the players I was playing with crazy. They're like, oh, shoot, we got to play with Delson again. <laughs> but, you know, so they put cotton in their ears. But, like, Max Homa went out in San Diego last year, D, and did the in-course interview and won the golf tournament. That's right. But there are certain guys that's never going to happen. That is never going to happen. They've been trying, Danny, when I was playing, and then again when I was with Fox, we would have our meetings, 
And there, when so when I was on the player side, the TV was saying, "We want to mic you. We want to mic you." And back in the day, it was not starter. The big, the big players, Curtis Strange, that Greg Norman, all those guys. No way. Yeah. No way in hell. When we were doing the TV, it was uh, Dustin Johnson and um, Jason Day was world number one back in the, that time, and that uh, Phil Mickelson. Those guys were like, no, nope, they weren't interested. I would love though to get the inside of. What did you just hit? Why did you hit it there? What were you thinking? What was your thought process? And then as you walk to the next shot, what are you thinking here? Take the viewer inside of what your approach is. Why are you going to put it on this side of the green? What are you going to try to do with the ball? You're going to hit it low. You're going to hit it high. You're going to fade it. You're going to you're going to hook it a little. What yep, I don't yep, care. Yep, yep, right. Draw it a little bit. That's what I want to know. Danny, Take me inside it. Absolutely. When we were doing TV for Fox, any time we could get close enough and get the player caddy conversation, we were told to lay out. Just lay out because that was called TV gold because you're and not that's what alert. Kurt said too. Everybody wants that. Isn't it amazing? We asked him about Tiger. No one counts Tiger out anymore. No. He'll be 48, I think, on December 30th. Yeah. And everybody says, I still, even at, at the, the lowest of his – uh, athletic abilities because they were curtailed of injuries. Yep. People are saying, I'm still not counting this guy out. And no. Kurt Byram's the same way. No. And I can't wait. I say, after watching him at Hero Danny, I feel like he's going to win. I feel like he's going to win this year. I, I feel like he's got – that was a great kind of bar to see and, and set a barometer for him to know to know his body. He knows what the recovery is going to be like. It's probably pretty intense. He said he hurt all over playing on Sunday. He's going to be playing again real, real soon in the uh, the PNC Father Son, which is which is going to be fun. He doesn't have to walk; it's only three days, but still, he's outside. He's in front of people. You know, he's going to want to turn it on, and so it's it's going to be interesting. And and he's also going to be able to gauge himself better from the competition. It doesn't. There's nothing like that competition, D. It does. It's everything few news and notes before we go to our fireside chat from Norwood, but nominees for the Jack Nicholas Player of the Year Award. Wyndham Clark, Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler. Who do you like out of that uh, that group? I'm going to say it's either. a case for any of them. Uh, absolutely. And a good and a damn good case, Danny, for any one of them. I'm going to say Scheffler or Hovland. The way Hovland finished the year was amazing. The problem is that seems like three years ago now. Because that was in August, you know, when he won the Tour Championship and did all of his thing and $35 million and all of that stuff. But Scotty Scheffler is still world number one and had a hell of a year. Th- those are the two. Those are those are the two. I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, I, I would think Scotty Scheffler would be there if you were talking earlier in the year. I think Victor Hovland. Because of what you I said. I think so, too. I think so, too. His, 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 the, the back end of his year was so strong. It's awesome. The playoffs when he needed it the most. What about his tournament at um, Olympia Fields, man? Any of these awards, I always go with recency bias, too. Yeah, same. You, you know, I always yep. think about how did it end as opposed to the beginning. Now, if you would have said Hovland was at the beginning of the year, and it's such a long year. I mean, my God, it's a long year. It's it, a long it really season. Is. It really is. If you would have done that at the beginning of the year, you'd have said, I kind of forgot about some of that stuff. So yeah. I, I do go with recency bias on this. I do too. I do too. I, and 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 for another argument in, in, in favor of Hovland is that he did it He did it when he needed it the most. It was the playoffs, man. At the end of the year, it's wrapping up, and he, he just went and took it. Nominees for the Arnold Palmer Award, which is the Rookie of the Year, Ludwig Aberg, Eric Cole, Nico Echeverria, and Vincent Norman. I know where you're going to go. I know where I'm going, but that's Ludwig Aberg. 100%. 
And there's been so much around him too, so much publicity around him playing in the Ryder Cup. Recency bias, but I, I, and he won an event. So to me, he's the guy. And for him, D, all we have is recency bias. That's right. The damn kid, the Good poor point. kid, just turned pro. You know, a couple of months ago. So, I mean, how about this? He he got what less than probably five tournaments. That's right. And the Ryder Cup, and we're going to give him Rookie of the Year. But I mean, he's my he's my pick. He's the best player. He's the best player of of that group, hands down. Coming up, we'll take you inside Norwood Hills. We had a fireside chat about 10 days ago, thanks to Doherty Business Solutions, and you'll hear a portion of that chat coming up. This is Golf with Jay Delsing, and we're presented by Doherty Business Solutions. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. Call CarShield today at 800-465-6550 or visit carshield.com. It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. Family Golf and Learning Center. No matter your age or skill level, Family Golf and Learning Center, located in Kirkwood, has something for you. They've got it all. PGA and LPGA instruction, double-decker driving range, par-3 golf course, trackman simulators, a large short-game green design to help you with all your shots around the green, bunkers, rough, and Zoysia fairway pitching. And now open the Tahoma Bermuda Grass Tees, the best turf to hit from in St. Louis. It's all at Family Golf and Learning Center. To schedule a lesson or to find out more, visit FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. We make St. Louis better at golf. Darty Business Solutions has been enhancing the business of our customers for the last 37 years. How do we do it? Through our expertise in technology, better use of data and analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. We roll up our sleeves and collaborate. We build applications and effectively communicate with our partner clients to bring their goals and objectives to the finish line. Our award-winning Access Point program is a community game changer. With nearly 100 students in the program, Mostly young African-American females are making between fifty-five dollars and $60,000 per year right out of high school. That's right, fifty-five dollars to $60,000 a year right after high school graduation. 
That's when they begin their training. CEO Ron Darty believes the talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. So here's Access Point, providing more and more opportunity for those in and around our community. It's Darty Business Solutions. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Thanks to Doherty, we were able to host a fireside chat at historic Norwood Hills Country Club about 10 days ago. And by the way, if you'd like us to come do an event for you, just email us, jay at jdelsinggolf.com. And jay at jdelsinggolf.com, the best way to get a hold of Jay. In this chat, we started with Jay returning to Norwood Hills coming back full circle at the place where it all started for him and playing at the Ascension Charity Classic. Yeah, I got to hit the inaugural shot a couple years ago, and it was the hardest shot I've ever ever hit um, because it was so emotional. I had tears in my eyes and had my daughters out and, you know, just all of those, uh, my, you know, images of my dad being here when I was a kid and all of those images come back to you. And you know how they say your, your life kind of passes in front of your eyes it wasn't exactly that but it was just flood of memories and there's no nothing no place on this golf course I haven't ever been mostly bad but some good you know and so I figured what the hell could happen that I haven't experienced before but it, it was terrific and then to to be able to raise the money that the tournament Ascension Doherty and all the all of our partners have raised for the, this community because I grew up in this community you know and it needs it and it's it's just a uh, personally, it's just a, you know, is there a five-run home run? It's, it's bigger than anything I could imagine. How about this? Jay just got inducted into the uh, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations. <laughs> 700 PGA Tour events, St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. How about just recently going in and what that meant to you? Yeah, it was it was something. It was something I never thought would ever happen, and it, um, it just means the world to me. Um, it makes me emotional now because, you know, you do things in your life and you wonder, is anybody really watching? You know, does it, does it, does it matter? And when you get an award like that, you're just so blown away. You're, you're humbled. You're, you get all of these crazy ideas like how, you know, how did this ever happen? So it, it, uh, it, it was, I had my daughters come in town. It was, it was really, really special. You love the PGA tour. It gave you your life. When you hear, when you hear guys jumping, what are your emotions with that? My phone number. Like, <laughs> get my phone number. No, um, it's, it's, it's brutal. It really is brutal. Um, but to me, you know, we, you and I, Danny, talk about this almost every day. And we know that the Saudis have just been adding $50 million increments to these offers until the guys are going to go. And they're, they're, they've been wooing John Rahm for well over a year and they haven't had a significant get and this is a major get and it's um and to me from a business standpoint this is another shot over the pga tour bower that says you better bring us to the table and get something done bring us to the table and bring us on or or else we're just going to keep doing this we're going to keep taking your guys and then what 
So what is the next step? What do you think happens with some of the other big names that are out there? And I know you're connected. You're on the phone with all these different people. Uh, you were just on the phone with Seth Waugh from the PGA uh, of America, the, the, the CEO. When you hear from these guys, what are they saying? They're saying we need to get a deal done. And it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a deal with the devil. I mean, and it, it, it's, it's, it's really obvious what they're doing. You know, they've got more money than sense and more money than anything else. And they're going, they're, they're doing it in soccer. They've done it in the EPL league. They're, they're, they're just buying people, players, and, and, and trying to cover up for some of the atrocities that they commit to other humans like us. And, but they're not going away and they're going to be involved in golf. And so there might as well be a way for us to try to figure out how to take some of this money and turn it into good and turn it into whether it's charitable, whether it's, but it's, it's absolutely blown everything up in the PGA tour offices. I can tell you, and the champions tour is a little less cumbersome financially than a regular tour event, but these guys are coming in and they're dictating to you and dictating to you. And there comes a point, right? Where the, the, the money breaks the camel's back. You can't, it doesn't make sense anymore. Right. And and so when, when this happens, I mean, what is it going to look like for all of these customers and, and, and sponsors that we've had for these, you know, just go up and down the line, Shell, whomever it is that's no longer there. Uh, But Honda, I think is, is out Somewhere along the line, we're just going to, we're going to lose people. Eventually, we're going to run out of sponsors. I mean, it's just, you're, we're going to, to out, outpace the companies that are willing to take on this money. It's just got to happen. So do you see a combo then coming? And it better happen pretty soon. Well, that's the thing, D. I don't know. I mean, the Saudis have enough money for us to say we don't need sponsors. Is that where we're going? I sure as hell hope not. Because the relationship that I just know the relationship that I've made with some of the some of the men and women from companies they're, they're dear great relationships they started in the game and, and they far outreach all that now and you'd hate to see some of the younger guys on tour not have the opportunity to meet some of those folks but you know it'd be interesting to hear from the business you know community like what does this look like because you go from a you know, an eight or ten million dollar commitment, which is substantial to a twenty million dollar commitment each year. I don't know how that. It just doesn't seem to work. We had the rollback of the ball. It's going to affect everybody. If you play golf, it'll affect you in this room. Let's start with the pros. How does it affect them? Well, it's all going to be based on speed, guys. So it's it's it, the ruling came out yesterday. I've read as much as I can about it to try to understand it, but it's all a function of 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 clubhead speed and what that looks like. But I, I just want to say this from an overall standpoint, I can't stand our governing bodies coming out and doing this right now. We are at an unprecedented, unprecedented boom in golf. We have never experienced this kind of growth. More people are playing. Country clubs are healthier financially than ever before. And I don't want to do anything to make it less enjoyable for the people that are for all the guys that are playing golf from a daily basis that basically pay for PGA tour events to happen. I think it's tone deaf and I wouldn't have done it. And I didn't, I, so there is no bifurcation, which basically means that there's going to be an, a new set of rules for the PGA tour players. And then everybody else is, is going to be doing something different, but the ball is going to be designed pulled back. It's going to be manufactured to not perform the way it does now. 
I'm not saying we don't need that in the game. I just don't know if timing-wise that this isn't the, the way to do it. So for most tour players, they're going to lose somewhere between 10 and 15 yards of distance. Uh, it'd be a big deal if I was playing. I wouldn't. It's going to send you back to the drawing board. We'll adapt faster than anybody else because of just because we know a, a little more about controlling the ball and the distances. But I'm my first concern would not be the distances. It would be I'd be worried about spin. I'd be worried about trajectory. I'd be worried about the flight. Can I control it that way? How's it going to work in the wind? What does all of that do? And and so there, that's the the nice thing that they did. It doesn't happen until twenty twenty eight. Okay, and that's on the on the on the for the pro game, and then twenty thirty. But they also did that for manufacturers so that they have extra time to get rid of inventory because, you know, the the, the biggest concern from all of these bodies making this decision, guys, is litigation. You know, if you make this, you position this a certain way, we're going to sue you, and we're and 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 that's exactly what they tried to avoid. And I don't. No, and not. I would ask Gentry more and Richard from a legal perspective what that looks like more, but there, there, that was heavily on their mind making this decision. How much do you think it, it affects the people in this room? Uh, they're, they're saying five yards is, is the max dis, distance difference that it's going to make. And it's all obviously less. I, I don't really know. I, I, I really don't know. I think, I think one thing that will um, make a difference. And I know Tiger was all about this is that your technique on the PGA tour is going to matter more now than it did before, because you're, you're, if your technique is better, you're going to hit this ball more solidly and it's going to go, it, it, you're going to, you're going to be better in control of the ball than the guy that may not. But basically the tour player now guys doesn't give a damn where his drive goes. He just wants maximum, di- maximum distance. And it doesn't matter if it's in the rough. It doesn't matter where it is as long as it's not underwater and it's not in grass that he can't hit out of. Otherwise, he just wants to hit it as far as he possibly can. And basically, all of the advanced metrics support that theory. You know, the, the yeah. Scott Fawcett and Decade Golf have come out with these these metrics now, and it basically doesn't matter if you're playing from the fairway or not anymore. You mentioned Tiger. Do you think he gets another win before it's all definitely, said and done? Definitely. I thought the hero was a big deal. I was taught. I was really concerned with how his he'd react just from a walking perspective from Thursday to Sunday. I thought he it looked like he came through in flying colors, and I was really concerned about his speed. When you take away your your feet, you guys, you're wondering you know, how much is that going to affect clubhead speed? How much is that going to affect? He was what fifth in distance. He hadn't played a tournament in seven months. He's just a freak, and he's. I, you can't count him out, and I hope he wins. It's great for the game, and and I hope he plays the Champions Tour because it would be super cool to have him come to Norwood in a couple of years. What's it like? Yeah, imagine that. That Wouldn't would be, that be amazing. Cool? We could start hiring security now <laughs> because there'd be so many people. What was it like playing with Tiger? From the crowds to watching him, the energy, all of it. What was so it I like? So I got to play with him, and I got to. I but I played with him in a practice round, which was still like a regular round because there were so many people watching. But I got to play behind him and in front of him and it's a nightmare because it's just there's so many so many people and and tiger is is so respectful when you play with him that if you you know you know how the the etiquette of the game works the guy that's farthest away from the hole would putt first but if tiger had something and you were in like say tiger had a five-foot putt and of course he knew he was going to make it 
as soon as Tiger makes his five-foot putt, the entire world leaves the green, you know? So you're standing there, and it's all this chaotic. And the way that I grew up at Norwood, that really didn't bother me because we, we didn't follow the exact etiquette of the game when, <laughs> when we played. There was a lot of chirping going on when, when you played. And so, um, but, but he would say, why don't you go ahead and putt first? And then, you know, I mean, he's, he was so used to it. And that's the sort of stuff that goes on that you really don't appreciate. But he, he's, he's all about the game and the integrity of the game and the respect of the, the game. And it was really, it was pretty cool to watch. It was cool to watch the charge he made at the PGA Championship here in St. Louis. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Brooks Kepka wins it, but everybody was talking about Tiger. Yeah, and everybody thought that Tiger made it one. And what was interesting, guys, he hit no fairways on the front nine at Bell Reeve and shot 32. And when he birdied number nine from over by the, your, he hit it over there left of the cart path and hit this slinging hook around there. And, and when he made the putt on the ninth green, I swear the ground was shaking. I mean, it was so cool. But what was neat for St. Louis was, what the, was them to get to see what a tiger roar looked like compared to, you know, oh, Brooks Kepka just made birdie. Like, oh, Tiger just came out of the restroom. You know, and that's what that's what that looked like. And then Tiger makes a birdie, and the whole place went crazy. But the thing for you guys that have played Bell Reeve, the guys were hitting driver and eighty yard wedge into eighteen, and it's just, I mean, so when you talk about rolling the golf ball back, I mean, that means he'd be hitting, you know, just a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. 18. So, yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. I mean, St. Louis came out and showed up from a corporate citizen standpoint like we always do, from a sports fan. I, I mean, I know personally that we broke all the records. It's the PGA of America. They're not going to release those, but this is the number of people. It was a, a huge testimony to St. Louis. It's one of the reasons. Is that why the President's Stephen, Cup is coming? One of, why the President's Cup is coming, but it's also one of the reasons why we what, – why we might have the Ascension Charity Classic and why we have it here because, and I do know that the, our commissioner wants to have St. Louis on the calendar every single year. What'd you see with the Ryder Cup? What happened this year? Oh, still not over it. I just can't, I, I think the biggest thing for me, you guys, is uh, why, why we had none of our players playing five weeks prior. I just don't, I don't get it. And for them to come out flat, I mean, how many text messages do you think you and I sent in that first day of, 3,000. You were pissed. I was pissed. Yeah. I was, I was, I mean, I, we had Luke Donald on the show and I was talking to him and I wanted to be able to say like, you're going down, right. you know, you're going down. And then the first day we come out and it basically cost us the entire match. I mean, we came out and everybody was flat and the Euros had just come off of, you know, probably in the last five weeks, they had probably played three events and they just absolutely whipped our ass and it wasn't even close. And then once everything else kind of set in, we were it was very competitive but we were already down you know four points it's amazing you had the chance switching gears here to play with jack what was it like playing with jack man i i got to play with jack and arnold palmer and it was almost like um playing with god or you know the i don't know i've obviously grew up catholic the pope jack was way bigger than the pope (laughs) let's be honest um uh, yeah i'm going to hell now but um it was it was surreal. I mean, I, I can remember the very first time that I was hitting balls on the range at Pebble Beach was my first event, and th- three bays over was Tom Watson, 
And I was like, this is crazy, you know? And, and then you get to, and I, I got to tell this story. So it's pouring down rain at Pebble Beach. And if for you guys that have ever played there, they don't really have a dedicated driving range. It's kind of a field and they cut it down low and, a, and it is 40 degrees out. And I know the, the, the average tour player wanted to go home. And this is my first event. So I'm, I'm hot, sweating, you know, it's 40 degrees out and raining. And um, you have to wait for a spot to clear because there's a lot of amateurs playing. And I get a spot right next to Curtis Strange, who was the one of the best players on the tour at the time and the leading money winner. In my first shot, I hit about six inches behind my ball, and he had this. He was he was sponsored by Nike. He had this white Nike sweater, and I Picassoed the back of his white <laughs> Nike sweater. And he turned around and looked at me, and I'm like, "Oh, I am really sorry. If you let it dry, you know it might flake right off." It, it, yeah, he he was pissed. He was he was mad. So. That was my start. Yeah, yeah, good start. Yeah, it was a start. But um, yeah, playing with Jack was just, uh, you know, I saw something that I had never seen before. I was over in Maui doing some work for the Senior Skins game, and Jack was part of the Senior Skins game with Tom Watson and Fuzzy and Fred Couples, Nick Price, Mark O'Meara, Tom Watson was there. And we were out playing some just – messing around playing golf and had a little games going on and Jack came in and about so there were like four holes left and everybody's mood totally changed and it was almost like greatness just walked in the room and none of us can beat him and it was like I, I hadn't I had only got to play with Jack one other time but these guys and and I had you know these are all alpha dogs you know, these are all guys that are really confident guys and really, especially with a club in their hand. And Jack was in his 60s and he still dominated. It was, it was, it was so weird to watch all of a sudden these guys were hitting balls like me. You know, Fred Couples flared one over, missed a green with an eight iron and Tom Watson hit one in the water. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And it's then like Jack hit one like that. Yeah. He won all the skins. How about playing with Arnold? It was the best. It, it was it was so fun. It was I got to play with Arnold three times in a row down at Bay Hill, and and it was like the word icon is not big. It's not big enough. And he was just an, an amazing guy. He um he gave me an exemption into his tournament, and I had had a couple of good rounds. Uh, and on a Friday afternoon, I was sitting in the lunchroom with my hat on inside. And I was just eating by myself. It's a beautiful spread of food and anything we want. And they just cater to the tour players. It's amazing. And I'm sitting there and I, I feel this big hand on my shoulder. And I, I look up and it's, you know, Mr. Palmer. And so I, you know, I got a mouthful of something and I stand up and I'm like, you know, wipe my face off, try not to spit on him and say, Mr. Palmer, thank you so much for letting me be here. I mean, and he said, I saw your name on the leaderboard, you know, nice round. And I said, yeah, thank you. The lunch and everything is great. And then he grabs my arm like the nuns used to do and pulls me real close. And he's a strong guy. And he says, do you, and whisper, do you always wear that hat? Do you always wear that hat inside? And do you wear that hat in your home? And I said, yes, sir. I do. Like a complete dope. But I did. I wore my hat inside. And he said, damn it, take that hat off. This is my home. Show some respect. You never wear your hat in someone else's home. 
pull this hat off. My face is redder than Debbie's sweater there. And I'm like, geez, what the hell? I got undressed by the king, you know, <laughs> in the player's lunchroom. And so I, he goes, and then he just patted me and said, good luck on the weekend. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. So I get back to eating lunch and then Willie Wood, Brad Fax, and Jeff Sluman, and one of the guys goes, yeah, we saw you got, the king got you, didn't he? I said, yeah, man, I didn't know. I, I'm supposed to wear my hat inside. He goes, yeah, he got us too last week. That's he said, great. Yeah. <laughs> All of our generation, we just, that's what we did. We just, we just, I don't know, we weren't smart. The state of the game right now with the game of golf, how, how do you think it is with the young players that are coming up? They are so good. You yeah, were that young guy so for good. a while. You were one yeah. of the longest players on tour, yeah. and now they're just bombing it. The state of the game and just the young kids that are coming up right now. I, 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 if, it, if it wouldn't be for the live thing, I, I think we can overcome the golf ball timing of this whole golf ball thing. I think we will overcome that. I think it's really, really good. The issue is, I don't know what the landscape looks like from this point moving forward. Obviously, we have to have some sort of deal, and the Saudis have to be involved in it. And that's, unfortunately, we're talking about that, and it supersedes the players and the talent that's coming up. This kid, Ludwig Edberg, is an absolute stud. He's, he's absolutely unbelievable. I can't wait to get to see him play, but if we don't you know, get it or, you know what, together, I don't know where we're going to see him play or what it's all going to look like. And so I'm really concerned about that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I question our leadership a lot. I, I'm a, a friend of Jay Monahan's. I like him as a person. I think he screwed this thing up a, a lot of different ways. I don't think he should have ever said anything about Liv for the first, I don't know what, if, if I would have been leading, I would have hunkered in with my guys that are way smarter than I am and let this water settle. But he started, you know, talking about elevated events and talking about now we're going to have $20 million purses. Guys, we can't afford $20 million purses. Our, the way that the tour is set up right now, we don't have that. That's not sustainable. So I don't know why you say we're going to do that when you know we can't sustain that. And from a standpoint, from looking out at you guys and thinking, I don't know if we've ever had had a better time to be involved in golf. The country clubs are full. Guys are enjoying the game. Top Golf is actually bringing people from the National Golf uh, Foundation. They're bringing people in, into the game. We've had flat growth in, in the game of golf for 25 years. The global pandemic was a massive hit for us. I mean, it was a massive hit for us. And who knew, right? I mean, remember, we couldn't touch a rake. Remember the little foamy thing in the bottom of the cup? I mean, we're going to look back someday and, and laugh at all that. But the fact that we were outside, the fact that you could walk, the fact that you could get exercise, it was... It was it boom it, business. It was, it, it, it was. And Monaghan actually really did a really good thing by getting us back playing faster than any other sport. There weren't spectators. Obviously, that wasn't really necessary, but we didn't know. So for all of us in this room that are from St. Louis, what can we expect with the President's Cup? What is it like? What are we going to get? When is the buildup start? All that stuff. Yeah, so it's 2030, so we got to hope we can all make it that long. At least I was like, from my chair, we want to make it that long. But it'll be great. It'll be an international event. It'll be different than any golf you've ever seen because the golf course won't be full. You know what I mean? There'll only be four matches at a time going on there unless it's the the individuals which happen on Sunday. So it'll be but you'll get to see players that you're you're not, you know, familiar with seeing. And it, what's neat about that is that, you know, it's still six years off. So it'll be it'll 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 be a competition like you've never seen before. And it'll be really interesting and fun for you, I think, to see such pro 
American things. I've gone to several Ryder Cups and it's amazing how patriotic everybody is. And they're all pushing and pulling in the same direction, which, you know, most sporting events, it's not like that. What a, what a fun night that was to be at Norwood Hills. Um, it was good to see some, so many of our friends and supporters yeah. and guys that we play golf with and guys that we'll have dinner with. And, you know, it's neat, Danny. They just love the game. And, and, and to be able to go give a little value add to Norwood and, and thank you for making the, the I mean, we sat there, we were there for probably a couple hours, but man, it, time flew by and you're so great at moderating that thing and kind of keeping all the balls in the air and keeping them here and there because I, I run off in the bunny trails and <laughs> all of a sudden right, I'm, out, I'm out. But that yeah. stuff is fun. A lot and of if, fun. And if you'd like to have us come out and do that for you or your company, private events, it's Jay at jdelsingolf.com. Kurt Byram was our guest. You heard the fireside chat. Tons of news and notes. This was a great show. Oh, Danny, the John Rahm thing still is it's a, it's big, but it, it's a blast. And the golf ball rollout, I mean, we, folks, we will be talking about this for a long, long time because there's still so many unanswered questions. Jay, as we get ready for an NFL Sunday, we end it with golf. How do we end the show? Let's go, Chiefs. No, hit us straight, St. Louis. Redbird Heating and Cooling sponsors the Veterans Vocational Apprenticeship Program. Jed, the CEO and former Marine, will teach, mentor, and sign off on educational and mechanical work hours to help you get fully licensed while you work and get paid by the company. What a great way to launch your career as a fully licensed HVAC specialist. Visit RedbirdHVAC.com. That's Redbird Heating and Cooling. Get ready to watch the legends of golf up close when they compete at historic Norwood Hills Country Club right here in St. Louis. The Ascension Charity Classic will be back again with some of golf's biggest names. Steve Stricker, Padre Harrington, John Daly, David Duvall, Bernard Longer, Ernie Els, and more will return September 3rd through the 8th at Norwood Hills. All tournament proceeds go to area charities serving North St. Louis County youth and families. Sponsorship opportunities, pro-am foursomes, and more information available for you at ascensioncharityclassic.com. Hey St. Louis, Eddie McVeigh here from Maggie O'Brien's. When you head downtown for a concert or cards or blues game, and now for the St. Louis City soccer game, please come see us at Maggie O'Brien's before and after your event. Take our shuttle to and from or stay in-house and watch your favorite team on our multiple high-def TVs. We look forward to seeing you soon at one of our two locations in Sunset Hills on South Lindbergh or downtown at the corner of Market and 20th Street. Union Station is next to us. This is Jay Delsing coming to you from the Car Shields Golf Studios. I hope you'll join me Sunday mornings from 8 to 10 for Golf with Jay Delsing, presented by Darty Business Solutions. That's Golf with Jay Delsing every Sunday morning on 101 ESPN. WXOS, WXOS HD1 East St. Louis. 101 ESPN is driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the lifetime warranty and 30-day return. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.